0: Drug addiction has always been a big issue. So (laughs) when we come to discussing about going through addiction and coming out of addiction, it's a tough issue to discuss. But then when we have someone who's been there, done that, come out of it and continues to shine in life, it's a good opportunity to get the conversation going and understand how is it to be addicted and how easy is it to come out of it or how hard is it to come out of it. So today we have a guest who is going to talk to us about recovery from addiction and mental illness. His name is Joe Tarastos and he'll be here shortly. This is now tell us and I'm your host. Anthony Moirore. So why not join me as we go together to meet our guest today? Here we go. Hello, Joe, hello Anthony. How are you? I am well. Yeah, glad to be wel- here. welcome to Now Tell Us.
1: Glad to be here.
0: Yeah, we are glad to have you here with us also. And uh, we are looking forward to hearing about this sensitive issue. This, I mean, it's an issue that is uh, uh interesting to listen to when you are not be- you have not been there but is uh, I believe, a tough one when someone has been there and is experiencing that and maybe is having a challenge to come out of there. But Before we go into that, I would like maybe to know who is Joe?
1: I uh, uh, was born in 1961. That makes me 62 years old, which I never thought I had this far. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I currently uh, am in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, the organization, uh, that I'm with is called face it together. And the website is we more on that later. Um, I was born in a very small farming community in South Dakota, which is where I am today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, the town uh, I'm fifth generation on both my mom and my dad's side, all four of my grandparents went to school together three of them graduated together in a class of nine nine uh and and my favorite picture of my uh my parents is is my dad my mom and my aunt shirley my dad is five years old my mom is four and shirley is three so uh i have a very small tight family we all come from the same Place, so we have learned very much so to get along (laughs) because we're what we have. Yeah, um, I was in the radio industry uh, in the United States for uh, 35 years Mm. as an on air talent, as a program director, as an operations uh, manager in places like uh, uh, here in Sioux Falls, in Rochester, Minnesota, in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, uh, working in commercial radio and also running. Uh, a public non-commercial radio network uh statewide here in south dakota for eight and a half years uh south dakota is a big place it is seventy-seven thousand 000 square miles and there's only nine hundred thousand people across that space mm-hmm. we straddle two time zones uh so it's a it's a it's a it's a fairly big spread out place with a lot of uh a lot of room in a lot of places
2: yeah.
1: uh as far as the addiction goes it's you're right. It is a big topic. It's a universal topic. It's one mm-hmm. thing that crosses borders, languages, cultures, you name it. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's there. Um, but it is a thing that, uh, that we do need to talk about. And, yeah. and I think it's getting easier for people to talk about and I hope so. And I hope things like this help I hope so. uh, as we, as we get going. Yeah. Um, I certainly never planned on, uh, going down the path that I went. Mm-hmm. Uh and part of it was um you know I, I grew up in a uh, a small town and I it's where we measure time a little differently. Uh mm. you know we, we sometimes we measure time in in B C and A D. Yeah. Uh I measure time in B C and A C. Wow. Before before cable and after cable. <laughs> <laughs> um and then you just- could yeah, you could be you could grow up in a small town uh and and I grew up actually in Minnesota. I was born here but I grew up in Minnesota. Okay. And uh you could be very knowledgeable in in a lot of areas. Uh well you you know educated, well traveled, all kinds of things. At the same time you could be completely naive about other things because they weren't things that were talked about. Mhm. Um, looking back, you see behaviors, you see a lot of things going on where you're going, oh yeah, I was just like anywhere else where there were people around me whose lives were being, uh, severely, uh, altered by addiction and mental health issues, Mm -hmm. but we never talked about it Yeah, we never, never mentioned it by name. Um, all I knew is when I was a young man, uh, starting college, uh, my head never felt right. I Mm -hmm. always felt like I was about a quarter turn off and, but you know, we, we, we know of ourselves and our, uh, you know, we, we judge everything by what do we know? What have we experienced? Mm -hmm. As far as I knew, why would I be different from anyone else? Because I thought everybody would feel, however, I thought everybody was a nervous wreck every day. Mm -hmm. Um, because I was, why would I think that I was different from anyone else? Okay. Um, and, uh, when I was in college I started kind of experimenting with different substances to see if I could get that head straightened out mm. and uh, I tried everything anything I could get my 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 hands on never thinking for a moment that what I was dealing with was mental illness mm. and uh it wasn't that I was in denial I knew nothing about mm-hmm. illness all I knew is that where I was and that I didn't feel quite right. Um, many years later, I was doing a morning radio show and uh, <laughs> this is kind of a colorful story. We were invited to a small town to uh, to raise funds for a high school uh, wrestling program okay and uh, and so we were invited and not being really told about what it was we were going to do mm-hmm. So we show up, on a Friday evening, and there in a gymnasium is a man from northern Wisconsin with ten donkeys. Ten? Okay. Ten. Ten donkeys. Donkeys.
0: Donkeys. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There are, we are we are getting somewhere interesting. Here. Oh
1: well, it, it's it's colorful. It all yeah. happened. Yeah. Uh, there were uh, there were five of us, and there were five teachers from the school. And this gentleman was hired to bring these donkeys in. And we were about to play donkey basketball. Wow. <laughs> if you've never heard of donkey basketball, it is it is as ridiculous as you might imagine. Ah. But, but I was uh, a young man, I was a team player, it was for charity. Mm-hmm. And so uh, against not listening to the little voice in my head, which I did have a habit of doing back in those days, I said, okay, we'll do this. Immediately when I got on the donkey, uh, I I kind of knew that I was in a not in a good spot, mm. and I was not comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The man who who was hired and had the donkeys had a little uh, riding crop, a little leather like a jockey would use in a horse race, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and he would he had the donkeys trained so that he could kind of shush them on the rear end this way or the rear end that way, and it would stop or start or turn or and he would kind of direct the game okay well at some point i found out later that uh apparently he had picked me to be comic relief Mm. and uh and what had happened is the electric or the uh the uh the uh uh the the little leather whip went away and out came an electric cattle prod Mm. and i guess what he did was he hit my donkey in the tail end with this electric cattle prod. Mm-hmm. And all I remember is gallop, gallop, buck. And I went flying. Mm. And I landed on a, a very hard tile over concrete, multi-purpose school floor, gymnasium floor. Oh. Uh, my donkey basketball was over for the evening. And I ended up going to the emergency room at the local hospital. And, uh, and there I received my very first Demerol shot which is a Mm -hmm. narcotic Mm painkiller injected, injected into my backside.
0: Okay.
1: And remember my head was always a quarter turn off. All of a sudden Mm -hmm. I was straight on and I went, where have you been all my life? Suddenly the pain was gone in my back. My head was on straight. I felt like a million dollars Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and, and I did so for three weeks. I felt great for three weeks. Mm -hmm. And then I chased that feeling. For the next twenty years, uh, and I became rather quickly addicted to pain medication, mm-hmm. and then things kind of spread from there. Because while uh, when it stopped working, uh, then I was back to my head was a, was a quarter turn off, so I kept trying other things, and uh, and pretty soon there was you know there was a lot of marijuana use, there was a lot of alcohol use. Uh, and this is carrying on while I am being a very successful radio personality and and programmer. Mm-hmm. Um, it went on for the next 20 years. I never missed a day of work. I always answered the bell. I was very successful at what I did. I was probably one of the top talk radio programmers in America mm-hmm. uh, during those times. But all the time on the inside, I was a mess. And I really didn't know why because i hadn't been diagnosed yet with mental illness well somewhere after i was in the twin cities for for a couple of years minneapolis st paul a friend of mine said you might want to go get checked out and sure enough i was diagnosed with severe depression uh bipolar disorder 2 uh anxiety and adult adhd Mm. now all of this was very much a surprise to me because I'm just me.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, I I, I have nothing to compare it to. Mm-hmm. So I am prescribed a number of uh, medications at that time, and, and I took them uh, religiously. But I also kept doing everything else I'd been doing before. Because when you're in the middle of things with mental illness and addiction, you don't always think clearly. Mm-hmm. You think you are, you know, it's like, it's, it's like, if you're, if you're walking down the sidewalk and you trip and you break your arm Mm -hmm. and, and it's a bad break, it's a, the bone is sticking out and there's blood all over the place and it hurts like crazy. You can process in your mind of what you need to do. I need to get to the emergency room now, Mm -hmm. but what happens when you're used to being a problem solver? You're used to thinking your way through things, but it's your thinker. That's not operating correctly. Mm -hmm. And there you go. All of a sudden I was making choices thinking because I'd been a good problem solver, I'd been rewarded for being an excellent problem solver. Um, but I was making decisions based on, you know, false things coming into my head. Um, let's say for instance, my body is a car. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my car isn't running well. Yeah. And what's really going on is that there's parts up here in the car that are not that are broken.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I don't realize that the parts are broken in my head. What I think I needed was higher octane gasoline for more power, more speed, then I can get more done. Mm-hmm. You know, and that seemed at the time like a logical answer. Mm-hmm. Well, of course it was, and it was a very destructive answer so um i'm i'm going on and my life is getting more and more stressful uh i'm not dealing with it well i know the only thing i can sense is that my life is shortening i still haven't really have a handle on what's going on but i knew if i continued doing what i was doing um it wasn't going to end well so i walked away from this marvelous job um very unhappy uh I thought I would be in the market for another job. So I, and this is the, this is the logic that goes on in your head.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: It's like, okay, I'll be looking for a job. If I get an offer for a job, I'll probably have to take a drug test. So I better stop smoking marijuana because it would show up on a drug test. Mm -hmm. I know what we'll do. We'll increase our drinking. Maybe that will do it. Mm -hmm. And then I went down that path and was just circling down all the while Taking these uh, uh, very powerful medications and doing exactly what the label on the, uh, on, on the bottle said not to do, which is not to take with other drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Sometimes my thinking at the time, I, that wasn't a warning. It was a serving suggestion. That's what I had kind of, and I can't explain why I thought that way, mm-hmm. but that's how I perceived it. And so that's why, how I went ahead. I moved back to South Dakota. I I get the job programming the public radio network. I'm really enjoying it. It was a fun, fun job. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm happier. My stress is less. And it's like, okay, well, maybe I should, maybe it's time to quit all these things, all these substances I'm taking and everything else. Mm -hmm. And I was always someone who could quit anytime I wanted to. Uh, And I could quit whenever I wanted to until I couldn't. And there I was, and there I was going, you know, and I'm trying everything in my, in my world to try to fix it myself. And finally, one day it was November 17, 2008. It was a Monday morning Mm
2: -hmm.
1: breakfast that day was four bottles of beer and two Oxycontin. (laughs) And I just said, what am I doing here? This, this has got to stop.
0: Yeah,
1: and I and in my head I'm going. I cannot fix this myself. I needed assistance. I needed help in doing mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. So that day I uh, I made a call. I did go to um, a thirty day inpatient uh, treatment center, um, which was an oh, It was an okay treatment center. It wasn't. It wasn't fabulous, but the people I met the people who were there with me going through similar situations Mm. were unforgettable. And, uh, you know, it was, it's a funny thing. And in this world, um, when you're at, when you're at your lowest and you're at your most confused for me, people appeared. I'm not sure where they came from. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure where they went, but they were there when I needed them. Mm -hmm. And after I went through that process and began my recovery, and and thankfully it's now been 14 plus years. um, It's not uncommon for people to say, if I ever get the opportunity to help other people, I'm going to do that because there were people here for me. And that's how I ended up at Face It Together. Uh, And that's why I'm here. I've been here for six and a half years. And I'm what's called a peer addiction coach. I'm a certified peer addiction coach. Now, Mm-hmm. what that means is I'm not a doctor. Yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not a, a licensed therapist. I'm mm-hmm. not a, I'm not a licensed counselor. I'm a peer I've been there. And for a lot of people, that's what they're looking for is someone who has been there and what did you do and what advice can you give and how can you explain things so that they make sense to other people? Yeah. Part, part of me is a cheerleader.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Part, part of me is someone to be accountable. To.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I never judge anyone. I I don't give them any of these, <laughs> but uh, but I'm there for support because it's a it's a funny thing. You know, people will ask you to to explain how something feels or or how certain thoughts are going on, mm. and it's very hard to do so. But when you're talking to somebody who has been there, all you need is one of these, and you just you understand. Yeah, I feel and, uh, in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So
0: that, and,
1: yeah. I, and I can I can go on more about what I do now, but that's kind of where I kind of the, the path I took and and where I am today.
0: OK, wow, that's quite a story. And And now we're going to touch a few things here and there coming through your story and what you've shared and what we may share with the audience that may help someone out there. Now, first and foremost, we start with the ways of introduction into this. And you told us your story uh, that uh, one was going into ER and coming out addicted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't get quite well the story of how you could have access to this where you were in college or in high school. And, and the th- The way things used to happen back then may not be the same way that things are happening today, Mm -hmm. but but what what was the experience? How did you even know that they exist and you get your first dose and then you get your constant supply? Sure.
1: Well, and here's an interesting thing because there's, we have images, correct? Mm -hmm. And we have images of people, you know, that a person who's in addiction is living on the street and they they may be buying drugs on the street they may be living on the underpass under the, the highway um, we have these these images and the stigma of what it's supposed to look like mm-hmm. what you find out is that addiction takes multiple forms i never bought a drug on the street mm-hmm. um i mine were when i started it was uh, prescription medication because i was really injured and i was really in pain i ended up having surgery in 2003 and then in 2021 i had major back surgery to fix things that had deteriorated so the injury was real um and and at the beginning it that the the uh medication gave me relief from the pain um i found out over time that that pain is is very complex and and physical pain can come from many many different areas Mm -hmm. but i also like the fact of what it did for my head it made for a while there it made me feel uh in balance Mm. so um i became very skilled at uh at going to doctors and to say doctor i've got this problem and um and this i need this this pain medication to, to make it go.
2: Mm. And it
1: wasn't, it wasn't totally a falsehood, but after a while you needed more of the medication to get the same effect and not understanding, you know, how I was making my pain worse with the undiagnosed mental illness, with the stress that I had put upon myself. Uh, you know, it's, it's, we, we look at the world, we think we have it figured out, but there's a lot of things that we don't know. I mean, yeah. for instance, I was a world-class worrier. Mm-hmm. I worried about everything and that's in the anxiety part of what I, what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, uh, cared about people. And so I'm managing people in radio stations and I care about them and I want them to do well and I want them to be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I said, well, I can do that by trying to catch problems before they happen. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I could do that if it was something I had control over. But I had not yet even considered this is that naivete again, is that some things you have control over and some things you don't.
2: Mm. Now, that's
1: not that's not a hard concept to understand, but it never entered my mind until 14 years ago. Mm. Now and, Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, and well, um, so, you know, my story is a story, mm-hmm. you know, alcohol is legal to, to buy yeah. marijuana. It was not hard to get, uh, and many places in the U S and many places in the world, it's now becoming legal to, to have, it's not in South Dakota, but, mm. um, but, you know, we all know kind of where, where things are going there. Um all the time. I wasn't trying to be a bad guy or a Mm -hmm. criminal or, uh, shirt responsibility. I've been married for 35 years. I have a 29 year old daughter. Um, I was just trying to get, to have my head feel right. Mm. But it's like trying to solve a a problem that you don't understand where, where the problem is based. And it wasn't until I, I got that that then education about what was going on and why that all of a sudden I'm going oh I never thought of those things I never I or I thought about I thought about it differently and my perception was not accurate Mm -hmm. so I was solving I was solving a problem or or trying to eliminate a cause which didn't exist yet I had a cause that did exist that I did not recognize
0: Now, as you are going through all that you are going through, there is a common phrase where people say that birds of a feather flock together. Was mm-hmm. that was that a case any that you found yourself with people who are going through the same things that you are going
1: through? Oh, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the first things that you learn about this is how incredibly common all of this is. Mm. You know, we we have our we have our again preconceptions about what who somebody who is suffering from mental illness and somebody who is uh, suffering with uh, addiction, mm-hmm. what they look like, how they got there, everything else. Well, in in the United States, about one in ten, one in ten have a problem, and one in four are either directly or indirectly affected by the addiction, family mm. members, our loved ones, things like, you know, the, the people in our lives. Mm. So number one, it's incredibly common. So you're, you have a one in 10 cross section of the, you know, you have everything in there from, from homeless people to CEOs and, and everyone else. And that, you know, you, you really can't tell by looking at someone if, 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 you know, to find out what's going on. And that's what makes it sometimes hard. Because in, in, in our case, of course, we have to have somebody who, for one reason or another, comes to us. And sometimes it, they're here because the court says they have to be somewhere. Um, sometimes they have been convinced by family members that you need to try something. We have people who have tried everything on the planet and it hasn't worked for them so they're trying what we do because what we do is is kind of different um and uh you know and does everybody walk out happy and a smile on their face no um but a lot of them do Mm -hmm. and and it's one of the things that i i sorry sorry there uh i uh i've discovered is you know it's it's people people's understanding of Uh, addiction uh, is formed by television shows and dramas. And so you can just imagine that there's accuracy and a lot of inaccuracy Mm -hmm. going on Mm -hmm. Um, in a, in a, in a medical situation, we know that um, that not all medical problems are created equal. If you, if you uh, have a cold, you don't go to, the intensive care unit, mm. you, you go to your, your primary care physician Yeah, and probably it's the rest and time, mm-hmm. um, addiction. We know we, we think when we think of addiction, most people will go, okay, you're an alcoholic, which it's, I don't, I, that's a negative word. I, I don't really like it. And you have to go to treatment in quotes, which is what, well, 30 days away somewhere. Mm-hmm but and some people need that and some uh centers are better than others to be sure some people though are not that far off that's what i'm finding that certainly substances uh are causing real problems in their lives themselves their relationships their jobs everything else but that they aren't that far off and there are some key things that I can help with as a coach from the things that I've learned that while everybody's situation is unique in its own way, there are a lot of commonalities Mm -hmm. and, and at a time when people have to wait forever to see a mental health professional, while there aren't nearly enough, while, uh, inpatient uh, care can cost $35,000 for a month for 30 days. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are people who don't have resources to do that. Um, we have found that, that we can help a lot of people with talking about changing the way that we think. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: that's a very simple phrase, but a lot of times the way that we think about things has a lot to do of, of why we get into trouble, why we get into situations, why we get into, uh, uh, certain things. Why we do things where we look back the next day and go, "Why did I do that? Mm. Why did I do this silly, dangerous thing?" And you know, maybe I'm interf- interfacing with law enforcement at, at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and things, you know, I always say, all things with addiction start with honesty, because most people who have have use problems, we're sneaky. Mm-hmm. We are very good at sneaking around and telling stories and putting on a happy face and not being honest with others. And most importantly, not being honest with ourselves. Mm. And when I talk to somebody here, that's the only thing I ask of them is that, you know, this is between you and me. It's completely confidential. What I ask is that you be honest
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and most people can do that. I Sometimes you have some who can't, um, but it's that honesty. Mm. Um, and then it, it comes, sometimes it comes down to some very things, some things that you do not associate. I mean, it's easy to associate that. Have you had a mental health screening? Cause maybe there's an imbalance somewhere. And maybe you're in like, in my case, I was self-medicating.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I was medicating in, in a situation, um, and using these substances, uh, the substance I was using as a treatment for something else, which I call the why. Mm why do you do what you do? Mm-hmm. Why? Um, and it turns out that that treatment, alcohol, pain, medication, you know, opiates, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, is not a very good treatment. It doesn't do a very good job. And it has lots of side effects. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's the chemical nature of it, you know, a side effect could be, uh, being arrested for driving while intoxicated. It could involve a crime, if you're if you're needing to buy drugs on the street you constantly need money mm. you've you've probably frittered away your money because that becomes your life uh, often um so there's there's things that you know to, to learn about you know who you are and to explore the why the why may be that you have trouble communicating with your spouse and you're constantly fighting mm. because you're 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 built differently and you communicate differently Mm-hmm. Um, it may be, you know, any of a any of a, a a number of other reasons. Maybe we uh don't like who we are, that we that we haven't visions of what we think other people think of us, mm-hmm. and it changes our behavior. Um sometimes there are anger issues, so you know there's a variety of different things that can lead you to a spot where I, I always say it's you want to hit the pause button. Mm. You don't know what's going on. You, you don't necessarily have, know how to how to solve something. Yeah. Uh, but, you, but you know how to make it stop temporarily.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and we get very good at that. And then the problem is is we're constantly hitting the pause button, and we're not addressing what's causing us to want to hit the pause button yeah. all the time.
0: Yeah. Mm. Wow, wow. Wow. We've got, uh, quite much to share on this And we thank you for everything that you shared with us here and, um, with a good job that you're doing, keep at it because we need more of you who come back to get those who are in the pit that we've been in and who may not have an idea of how to get out. So your mm-hmm. the job.
1: The, the first thing I, I think in, and I, I don't know, we may be out of time here, but I will, uh, say that number one uh it's not addiction is not something to be embarrassed about Mm -hmm. it's 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 a it's it's a it's a health problem yeah and so we should rather than looking to punish and things like that we're looking for compassion and we're looking for ways that well whatever it is that's going on whatever that why is you know what can we do as a society to help with that why um and Uh, there are ways to do, and we're one of them, I think that can help people and have it not cost $35,000 a month. Mm -hmm. We are able to help people. Now there are people who need that service who need, they're at a level they're maybe suffering from trauma, uh, severe mental illness, schizophrenia. Uh, borderline personality disorder, I can't help with those. I don't have the expertise to do that. Uh-huh. But there are a lot of people that I can help by sharing my story, by simply, you know, men are not taught to talk. We don't talk about things. Yeah, we keep quiet. We... We're the strong silent type. Fix it yourself. Yeah. You know? <laughs> take care of business and don't whine about it. Uh-huh. Well, of course, it's all, you know, men need to talk just as much as women need to talk. So part of it is learning to do that. Part of it is, is for me to model behavior that I'm not afraid to talk about these things that I've been through. Mm. Maybe if you hear something that's in common here, you'll know that we have a connection. A lot of times people just spend too much time by themselves. They don't connect with other people. And, you know, isolation and boredom for a smart person, are it's a bad combination. Mm. So sometimes we talk about that. How do you meet friends as an adult it's easy when you're in school mm-hmm. you're in a room with if you're in you're six years old you're in primary school you're in a room with 25 other six-year-olds seven hours a day five days a week for nine months of the year mm-hmm. you're going to find somebody there who you connect yeah, yeah. with exactly as an adult it's harder you know and so yeah. There's a lot of things that are common sense things that are not necessarily expensive that aren't going to help everybody. But people would be surprised to the nth degree about how many people can be helped and they aren't that far off. It doesn't it doesn't have to take forever and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Mm. So that's
0: good. Yeah. So we remind the people how. To do that, because uh, this thing is not something that you are just doing locally. It's something that you're doing all over. I, I guess.
1: Absolutely. Uh, we. You are
0: getting your, 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 how you are able mm-hmm. to be reached?
1: We have uh, we have helped uh, we people in person, but mm-hmm. increasingly in this, a lot of this came during COVID. Is that we do it just like you and I are doing here mm-hmm. and uh, 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 w- virtually. Yeah. Um and we have helped people in all 50 states, uh four provinces in Canada, uh England, France, New Zealand, uh and and several other countries around the world. Um, and you know all you need to do to start that process is to and there may be coaches in your neighborhood too for all you know. Yeah. Uh, but it's you can go to wefaceittogether.org Mm -hmm. We face it together.org. It'll tell you everything about what we do. And if you want to find out more, all you have to do is to put your name and contact information. One of the things we do that we pride ourselves on is we get back to you right away within 24 to 48 hours. We have somebody talking to you because often it's, you know, you're having a crisis. You know, we finally have a crisis with addiction or mental health and it's like, okay, I finally here, I need help right now. Great. Wonderful. You call this we can make an appointment and a doctor can see you in two months. Well, for two months, you're hanging on to the world by your fingernails. <laughs> so one of the things that we do is is to try to help people quickly and to give them that initial connection because it's all about connection. It's all about other people. It yeah. really is.
0: Yes, we are here for one another. That's why we have a We call. have
1: to be. It- We have to be.
0: Yeah, we have a conversation and invite everybody who may be needing this conversation, this engagement, this connection to just reach out, go out there and ask for help because you don't have to suffer alone. Well, there is someone who can share his story, encourage you, hold your hand and work together with you and to recovery. Absolutely. Yeah. That's it. That's Joe Talastos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's about it for today on this episode. And uh, before we go, we would like you to leave us with a few words that we should always remember, something that we should never forget. What are those words?
1: Oh, boy. Um, connection is everything. Connecting with other human beings, is everything i believe we're all in this thing together and uh and help is out there and you don't have to be embarrassed it's you wouldn't be embarrassed if you had cancer you wouldn't be embarrassed you shouldn't be embarrassed about having an addiction there's help there and there's people ready that this is <laughs> ready and waiting to help so that's a mouthful then it wow. goes all over but That's a lot, I guess. Connection, if there's one word, connection with other people, connect. Connect, connect, connect.
0: Wow, thank you very much, Joe, for that insight. And for everything that you shared with us on this episode, we really appreciate you reminding the people once again to rush to www.wefaceittogether.org and connect with Joe. Connection is
1: the word. It is. Thank yeah. you, Anthony. Thank yeah.
0: you. Thank you to Joe. Uh, so, this has been Now Tell Us. I've been your host, Anthony Moyore. And together with our guest today, Joe Talastos, we are saying connect and bye for now. Yeah.